0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on February 13th, 2020. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a beautiful place to do just
1: This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions, a local advertising agency. Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof, from logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it, and Your Actualized Visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, Your Actualized Visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling Your Actualized Visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what Your Actualized Visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com your actualized visions, your dreams today, not someday.
0: I'm your host, Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose. That's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. And, of course, I'm not alone because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie dot com and executive producer of the South Bay show, Jackie Balestra. Hey Jackie, how are you?
1: I am well, Joe. Um it's Valentine's weekend. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Did you make plans yet?
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. We have. We have to work around work and uh my my wife is a piano teacher, so she has students that she doesn't want to you know, um, move to another day or, or skip a week of class. So we have to work around that.
1: Yeah. We all have to work around work, you know, and it's a weekday, you know, it's it's, it's (laughs) a weeknight, Friday night, but, uh, it's a a weekday. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to this weekend A nice relaxing weekend of love. We're going to celebrate love this weekend. I'm very excited. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) you know, listening to your, um, your intro there with your uh, principle, passion, purpose. Uh, yeah. What what is it? What, what is it again? I'm sorry, I can't. There, why there, can't it, I
0: remember it? <laughs> it's persistence, passion, persistence. principle, and purpose. Yeah.
1: You know that's interesting. I was thinking that we should. Uh, we could add mindfulness to that. I think it goes with that grouping, doesn't it? It's not a P, yeah. but
0: yeah, it kind
1: of, it kind of, it kind of well,
0: get gets into that. We'll have to find the right p.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, that was like just a little uh, hint as to what we're going to be talking about <laughs> today. But we're we're, we're going to get into it today. Yeah, we're going
0: to get into Jackie, it. You know, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of you know people who try to you know maintain a moment by moment awareness of their thoughts, actions, emotions, bodily sensations and their surrounding environment, uh, we should talk to someone who knows about this.
1: You think? You think we should? Okay, let's do that. (laughs) Jackie, who's our guest today? (laughs) Okay, our guest this morning is Jill Moeller, founder of Simply Mindful Services. Now, Jill has been using mindfulness to help reduce stress associated with raising a family and having a career, as well as navigating the sea of life. After Jill started practicing mindfulness, she felt a sense of why didn't anybody teach this to me earlier in life? She developed a strong desire to share mindfulness with others and give them the tools she wished she had been given earlier in life. Now, being a high school teacher, she was in the unique position of being able to make that happen. Jill is a graduate of Mindful Schools Teacher Certification Program, a 300-hour intensive year-long program designed for educators and school leaders who are passionate about growing the impact of the mindfulness in education movement. She co-developed and is currently teaching a year-long mindfulness course in a public high school. She has also completed training related to mindfulness for student-athletes, mindful self-compassion, the science of well-being, and trauma-informed mindfulness, and has experience applying the training. Now, Jill, who considers herself a lifelong student of mindfulness, holds a B.A. and an M.S. in biology from California State University of Fullerton. Now, For more information on Jill's profile, you can go to the Mindful Schools directory at www.mindfulschools.org. And, uh, Joe, this morning we're going to do a deep dive into mindfulness, what it is, how it works, and what it can do for you. Welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us this morning.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. It's, Jill, Uh, what goes without saying that life in the modern world is uh, not as it used to be throughout 99.9% of our evolution. Uh, Human beings are thrust into a world in the last hundred years that is wholly and completely different from the entire history of our entire uh, species. And uh, no wonder there's rising stress levels and and all other kinds of you know pathologies in society around the world, can you <clears throat> tell us first uh how mindfulness is different today versus you know let's say a thousand years ago
2: yeah um I think that's that's a great question, and like you said, we live in a world that is so different and evolutionarily, the human mind hasn't exactly caught up to the world we live in. It takes a long time Hmm. for changes to happen. And so we're working with a brain that basically was developed and created for the environment we don't live in anymore. Mm
0: -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there's
2: things we can do to change the way our brain thinks and processes information to... To be more suited for what what we are dealing with, um, for example, you know earlier humans they faced real physical threats when they were people were out hunting and gathering and doing those kind of things, and you really had to be on alert for anything that was a danger and potentially going to end your life and Today, mm-hmm. most of us don't face those kind of stresses on a daily basis. But we do have a lot of stresses. They're just a lot more mental than what, whereas they were physical in the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. The, and, um, there is oh, a. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, I just I was I was gonna follow on on your point that there is the historical, let's say a thousand years and and back uh, when uh, every day was a struggle physically. For uh, most of us, Um, um, you know, a thousand years ago, people started working in the fields and or whatever profession their family was in, maybe at the age of five to 10. Um, And then people worked their entire lives because that was required to support the family. Today, things are different. We have schools, we have, you know, other kinds of professions which are very much not physically or 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 life challenging life threatening but i would I would argue that some people do experience that kind of world. I mean those people that are born to you know dangerous uh, places in the world or they're born to uh, dangerous places in Los Angeles <laughs> where they wake up and they hear gunshots. I mean I think there are places where people are still uh, living that, am I going to survive today? But it's not common. Yet we meet those people. So that's the that's the only point I was going to make. Right, <laughs> and, you know
1: that's really that, that, that's 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 very interesting. You know it's so funny because, um, you know however long man's been walking upright on the earth, uh, and Joe, a thousand years ago, you know, you know there were there were kingdoms. So a thousand years ago. It was different. It wasn't the same as back in the day, you know. W- you know, living in the caves and you know worrying about mm. you know giant animals you know eating you. But um, I, mm. you know, or right at the top of the program, you said something about the you know the last hundred years. I would go so far as to say the last twenty years or the last twenty five years. Mm. When you were saying mm. you know ninety percent, ninety five percent of our existence, I, I I would say I would say twenty or twenty five years, JLG. Do you, do you follow that reasoning, it, it, how, how well, much things have changed just in the I last 2025?
2: Do, uh, I think one of the biggest changes we've seen is um, with technology and cell right. phones. And, you know, we just have so much going on, the average person, at any given moment. I mean, you might be doing something on your phone, having a conversation with the person next to you, watching something on TV, and, you know, maybe there's a someone else running around your family asking you questions. And it's just normal to be doing eight things at once with our minds today. And I think that's something that has changed a lot in, you know, like you said, the last 25, maybe even 35 years. um, We've really seen a growth in that. And I think an interesting thing is the average person today has – sixty thousand thoughts running through their head on a given day. And some studies have even shown up to eighty thousand, which that's a lot when you think about wait
1: wait, 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 wait. Sixty to eighty thousand thoughts a
2: day? Right. I know it's a oh. staggering number and you think, how in the world do you keep track of all that? And I which kind of takes me to a P that might fit in with the other Ps which is present. And Ah. one of the keys with, with mindfulness is being present in the moment. And I don't know if you've ever driven somewhere and you got there and then you think back, did I stop at any of those red lights or stop signs or any, you know, you don't remember any part of that drive, but you arrive safely. And it's, our mind is in so many places that if you just take a pause and you think, what am I doing right now? What am I thinking about right now, and do they match up? And you might be surprised at how often they don't. Your thoughts don't match what you're doing.
1: Wow, that's a good example. You're you're absolutely right because we're, you know, driving some. That's a great example. You're driving someplace and you're not thinking about actively stopping at every red light. You might be thinking about the presentation you're on your way to give, or if your kid is home sick if they're if they're going to be okay. I never thought of it that way. Interesting.
2: Right. And you know, I mean, there's so many things that we do on a daily basis that on one hand, you probably should be grateful that you're able to do some of those things without thinking about them. But on the other hand, how many how many things are you not noticing because you're kind of in autopilot mode that maybe it would be helpful to notice? Or just kind of slow you down mentally to be present and more in the moment.
1: Joe, Joe, I got to. Uh, actually, Joe probably knows this. I, I have, I, I'm just going to put it out there. I have been known to blow through those red lights. I kind of do it on a regular basis. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Is <yeah. laughs> that frightening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, I I you're right. I uh, now that I, wow, that's that's so interesting, something so simple that you don't even think of, but there have been several occasions like I'm picking up friends or family from the airport and I'm driving them back and eventually one of them says to me, "Do you know you just blew through that red light?" Uh, yeah, I said yeah, I do that quite a bit. Um it, it's surprising I'm still it's surprising I'm still here uh considering how much I do it, but that 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 is a great example. That that's a fantastic example.
2: Yeah, and, you know, mindfulness is all about just training yourself to be in the present moment. So you're not anxious about something coming up in the future. You're not dwelling or depressed on something that's happened in the past. You're right here right. in the present moment. And, right. you know, giving the present moment your full attention. And it takes practice to be able to do that, especially in the busy world that we live in. And there's a lot of practices that you can integrate into your life to bring yourself into the present moment more often.
0: Now, now, Jill, I think it's time for us to give a, a a definition Um, for everyone listening who, who's now sort of into the discussion. What is mindfulness?
2: So there are several definitions out there about mindfulness, but I would say the one that you would see most often is it's an awareness of the present moment. It's an awareness of what's happening inside your body. It's an awareness of what's happening outside your body. And it's being aware with an openness or a curiosity to whatever it is. So you're doing something and you're open to the thoughts and the feelings tied to that, like the first time you ever did it, even though it might be something that you do five times a day and it's, you know, very routine for you. And when I say awareness of what's happening inside your body, it's becoming aware of bodily sensations. So whether that's um, your heart starts, your heartbeat feels like it's starting to race or it's maybe some knots that you're feeling in your stomach as well as the thoughts Mm -hmm. running through your head, because thoughts trigger Mm -hmm. emotions and feelings. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people might just be going about their daily business and everything's fine. And suddenly you feel like you're kind of in a bad mood and you might not know why Mm -hmm. or something changed. But what probably happened was you had a thought that triggered those feelings, but you might not have, realize that thought even passed through your mind. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I, have to ask mm-hmm. you th- I have to ask you something. I, so, okay, I understand, I understand the definition. I understand what you're saying. Okay, so on the mornings when Joe and I do this podcast, all right, I come into mm-hmm. my office, I close the door, I have to turn off, you know, anything that can make noise, you know, phones, computers, whatever, you know, I put on these headsets mm-hmm. and I have to be here. I can't be doing something. I can't be thinking about other things. If I'm thinking about other things, I'm not following the conversation. So is this a form of mindfulness, Jill? What I'm like
2: you know, that, I'm here now. That is an excellent comparison because uh if I just said, Oh, go practice mindfulness, you know, if you've seen it on the news or read something on it, you might associate it with sitting on a cushion, meditating in a room of silence, which it very well can be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be doing your show, anything where you're just completely in the moment and like in the zone or sometimes it's referred to as flow. And so for you, it could be the show. For someone else, it might be they're taking a moment to just play with their kid and just really focus on everything about playing catch with their kid or maybe you like to color and you have the your little coloring book that you get out and you just are noticing everything about the feel of the the pencil you're using or the shade of the colors whatever it is you can do anything mindfully
1: mm-hmm. I like that I like that I like that definition
0: We're being okay. mindful <laughs> I have to We are I have to say, you know, uh, just to add some support for the thousand year case, uh, when I think of <laughs> a thousand years ago, Jackie, I, I know we're not, I know we're talking about kingdoms and, uh, you know, we're talking about early organization of societies, but the natural world was, in my mind, a thousand years ago, the natural world was whole. Uh, elephants roamed free, lions roamed free, and speaking of lions, I have to mention P56. It 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 it, it makes me angry to think that P56, uh, a radio collared mountain lion yeah. living in Western yeah. Santa Monica Mountains, was killed on January twenty seventh. One of two, <laughs> um, uh, one of two uh, males, uh, of, 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 uh, you know, reproductive age, um, a thousand years ago, we feared them and now, uh, they're on the brink of extinction and it makes me, it, it stresses me out to think that we're, you know, (sighs) what I think of, I'll tell you, because I'm,
1: you're not. You're not being mindful. You're thinking about mountain lions. You're not. You're not. You're not being mindful of of, of what we're talking about here. You you've gone wow. off on a tangent about about mountain lions. Where you know. Where, where, so. Yeah. You're you're not you're not practicing yeah. mindfulness at the moment because you had that thought and it upset you. I think I'm becoming an expert. There's no
0: mountain in lion experience. in front of me. I
1: think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm you know, <laughs> just going back. Just going back to that thousand years ago. I think things like plague were were kind of took the place of. Uh, I mean, I know that there were still wild animals, but a thousand years ago, I think there were bigger bigger issues. You know, Black Death and plague and all that stuff. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a good time to be alive. Uh, you know, uh, we today, <laughs> you know. Well, I know we're going off on all these tangents. We're trying to be mindful. Um, I want to. I want to ask you, Jill. When you you said something earlier, where you are aware of the moment that you are in at that moment, and it and and it brought to mind that does that in dangerous situations when everything is extremely focused anybody that's been in a dangerous situation whether it's running a class 5 rapid or in the middle like if you're a, a law enforcement officer you're in the middle of a firefight or, you know these extremely dangerous situations that people can be in today in my experience it focuses me is is does, is that is that the case is is that the case that when you're in a a life-or-death situation as that happens, that you become very mindful?
2: I'm so glad that you brought that up because, um, you know, when you get into the science of mindfulness, it's about what region of your brain is online and taking over. And we have a part of our brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of your brain that is engaged when you're in what we call a fight-or-flight response, which would be the kind of situation that – you are talking about. And when you're in that situation, adrenaline's getting released and the energy is being directed away from your everyday normal functions, you know, digestion and so on to put that energy into it. Maybe it's your muscles because you've got to be running to get away from the danger. And that's extremely useful in those types of moments. The other part of your brain that we talk about often is the prefrontal cortex, which is where you're thinking rationally, creatively, kind of the part of your brain that you want to have online going about your daily business so you're making smart choices. The challenge becomes, like, let's just take an example of a student. So let's say a student isn't prepared for a test or they get a test in front of them and they're looking at the question thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do number eight. Their amygdala is going to kick into action and start releasing the adrenaline. Their heartbeat might start going really rapidly, and they're not using that front prefrontal cortex part of their brain, which is the part that they want to be using to access you know, the lessons we did two weeks ago. So that that takes us back to the challenges of earlier humans versus now, whereas now you might see a challenge like a question you don't know or it could be an interaction with someone that doesn't go the way you want it to go and your amygdala gets fired up. And, again, that's not when you're making your best choices. So one of the ways mindfulness works is to bring you back into the present moment, let that amygdala calm down, and get back into that rational part of your brain. How do you do that? How how do you do that? How how do you do that? Right, that's that's kind of the magic question. How do you do that? (laughs) And (laughs) I think of it also as taking a pause and having a response as opposed to a reaction. And you can also think of it in the context of if you've ever said or done something to someone in the heat of the moment and later you're thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that or it escalates into a conflict that you're wishing wasn't there. Um, So to get into the present moment and out of your amygdala, there's several strategies and they're all about tapping into your senses. So whether it's your um, sense of touch, sound, sight, hearing, taste, whatever it is, your senses all function in the present moment. You're not hearing the past. You're not hearing the future. You can only hear in the present. So um, one of the most commonly used strategies in mindfulness is something called an anchor which can be your breath and you feel your breath so if you take a minute and you concentrate on your breath and notice where do you feel it the most in your body is it the chest the belly your nose your throat where do you feel your breath So you take a minute to do that. And I say a minute, but really just notice that it doesn't have to be a full minute. And um, to bring yourself to the present moment in any situation, you can just find your breath. And I like using the breath as an anchor because as long as you're alive, you have your breath with you. And you're familiar with it because you're using it all throughout your life. And so to just take a short moment, focus on your breath, distracts your amygdala and brings you back to that prefrontal cortex region of your brain.
1: So the saying, stop, take a breath, there's something behind it.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something lengthy that – could be awkward you know if you're about you know someone says something to you that triggers you, you don't need to pause for five minutes and come back to them. You can right. take three deep breaths and just or even two or one and just focus as much of your attention on that breath as you can, which gives you a brief pause and then hopefully you're going to have a mindful response to the situation as opposed to a reaction that you might say or do something you later wish you had it.
1: Well, goodness knows, we all have done that numerous times in our lives, which brings me to, you know, uh, in the intro, you, you I mentioned that you are teaching a course in high school, a mindfulness course in high school, a year long mindfulness course. Um, and, there there are all sorts of studies and statistics out there. I, I can't remember the exact thing, but p- ch- children's brains, teenagers' brains, people's brains, um, I may not be saying it correctly, but they're not fully formed or functioning correctly until they're about, I think it was 24, 25 years old. you know what I'm referring to, Jill?
2: I do, yes. The executive functioning skills. Yes. Um, yeah. And then some interesting oh go ahead.
1: Well, well okay, so we know you know what I'm I'm talking about there and it's taken, you know, as fact that that teens brains just don't function fully or correctly or wh- however you want to put it until they're a little older. So I got how <laughs> cuz you're experiencing that teaching this in high schools. How how do you work with them on that? Uh do you see what I'm getting at? I how does that how do you work with them on that if they're if they're not their brain isn't fully formed yet, for lack of a better okay. phrase?
2: Yeah, so mindfulness is actually in the last um, ten, fifteen years, people have started teaching it to kids in kindergarten and you know, all the way up through senior citizens. So it really can work at any age. And so if you take, let's say, a high school student who is still developing their brain, you teach them these mindful practices that hopefully they do often enough that it just becomes routine for them. And that's just the way they think. When, you know, they're in a situation where they get triggered by something, they take a couple deep breaths before they respond. And if you do it often enough, it becomes your way of doing things you know it's it's just what you do as opposed to just reacting immediately and so even though the brain is still developing you can kind of guide it which also takes me to another area where they've done studies and what's called neuroplasticity where it's how your brain the neurons that are firing in your brain and I like to think of this kind of as if there was a grass an area of grass that you walked across and you always walked the same path through the grass what's going to happen to the grass it's going to become worn down and not growing right
1: right you're going to have a path so, now there's not going to be grass It's yeah, going to be a path you,
2: Yeah. you've worn a path and that's kind of like what can happen in our brain with our neurons when we're always responding to situations in the same way when we get triggered by something. So whether it's an interaction with your child or your spouse, and you immediately go down the same pathway that might not be the most productive pathway when you're having a disagreement of some sort. But when you're mindful and you're curious about the moment, it's like taking a different path. So the grass can be growing all over. You're still going to cross the same patch of grass, but you're taking a different route because you're curious about what's it like over here? What's it like over there? And you can actually rewire the neurons that are firing in your brain by practicing mindfulness. And there's actually been scientific studies where they've monitored the regions of brain activity.
1: Well, what you're talking about is is muscle memory, right? It's it's the, exactly the, the, yeah, muscle memory. Your brain's a muscle. It's it's like anything else. You 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 do the same, uh, you know, physical activity enough times, y- your muscles remember it. You know. So what you're saying is, this stop and take a breath is your go to response. You know, which, you know, so many things, humans in general, to me, seem so contradictory. Because going back to our, you know, when we first walked the earth upright to, to, to today, where, you know, people had, women had babies much younger way back when. Um, now we're having them much older. Um, but there's still a lot of things that, like, for instance, young people. Going in, going into the armed forces, they're going to war. These are not, their brains aren't fully formed. The, these, are not the people you want going to war. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it seems like older, more mature, fully functioned brain. You learn to be patient or mindfulness, and however you do it, it, it just seems to me like biologically everything is backwards. You know what I mean? We would be better, we would be better parents in our, as as getting an older parent. You know, a a 40-year-old parent to me would be a much better parent than an 18-year-old. Do do you see what I'm getting at?
2: Right, although we live a lot longer now, so that's possible, whereas back in the day, maybe people, you know, had a much shorter life expectancy. So you, you better be a parent while you can.
1: Right, right. No, no, I no, I get that. Yeah, you people people would have kids at twelve, thirteen years old, but they were they were dead by twenty five. No, I understand that. It's just, that's what I'm saying. Biologically speaking, it all seems so backwards to me,
2: you know? Yeah. It <laughs> I agree, it does seem backwards and you know, something else we can talk about is you've probably heard of the negativity bias and how humans are wired for the most part to find to seek out the negative and you could imagine that living your life where you put more emphasis on finding the negative can have a negative effect on your well-being as opposed to if you were putting that much attention and effort into finding the positives that you saw going on around that's, you
1: you know that's really interesting i've never heard of that the negativity bias i've never heard of it but i know a lot of people that have it <laughs>
2: Mm. Right. Mm. <laughs>
1: no, seriously, yeah. right, Joe? I I know a lot of people that you know that it's the half glass full, half glass empty. You know, the optimist, the pessimist. I know a lot of people like that, but I've never heard of it. Have you heard of it, Joe?
0: I uh, I well, uh, I think of when when uh, Jill talks about the negativity bias, I think of the uh, uh, confirmation bias. Where w- all the evidence that you see around you, especially in this current political climate, all the news you see around you only confirms what you already thought about whatever. Hmm. Okay, Confirmation yes. bias. I'm very well aware of that. And that's, uh, that's uh, you know, in, a, in an environment where you're trying to get people to learn new things, that's, uh, that's difficult.
2: Hmm. Okay. Interesting.
0: Confirmation bias. Yes. All right. Yeah, get back so, to the neg- so the negativity, uh, the negativity <laughs> bias. <laughs> so, you know, with I, when, the, when we oh. talk, no, I'm sorry. I just, I just want to uh, give people some things to, um, take away from our conversation. Um, like, you know, um, the, the uh, Mindful Schools website talks about mindfulness as a state, a trait, and a practice. Can you talk about that?
2: Definitely. So um, I, I love the part of it's a practice because somebody can teach you mindfulness or you can learn it somehow, but it is something you have to practice on a regular basis there's no such thing as okay i've got it down and now it's it's there and i just use it you constantly have to practice and even if you've been practicing for years you could go through times where it seems easier to be with your practice and times where it's more challenging to be with your practice and what works on monday might not be the same thing that worked for you on tuesday so it's something to just practice in as many different situations as you can and the more you practice the more it just becomes a part of your your way of being. Mhm.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, Joe, we got a we got a we got into this conversation so deep we, we missed our bottom of the hour uh, uh uh station break. We should do our station break.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Um let's Let's do a station break and then we'll get back to uh state and trait uh mindfulness. Uh ladies and gentlemen, we are mindful of the 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 wonderful place that we live in. We've been doing this podcast for 8 or 9 years now. Um here in Southern California, there is this special place called the South Bay. Uh we bring this show to you every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Thursdays are uh you know, South Bay Spotlight. We spotlight one of the extraordinary people uh or extraordinary places or extraordinary businesses here in the South Bay, from from El Segundo uh South to uh Palos Verdes uh and uh east to Torrance and and Gardena and Hawthorne. And then also, of course, uh, on Fridays, we we highlight those same extraordinary circumstances and people and businesses, but with a special emphasis on uh, the Manhattan Beach, uh, the city of Manhattan Beach, and of course, the members of the Manhattan Beach Chamber, because on Fridays, it's Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, and we're proudly sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber. Please join us. Thursdays and Fridays, or if you cannot, you can join us uh, in podcasts. You can join us from your cell phone. Um, hey Siri, play the South Bay show, or you can join us on your Google device or Alexa, play the South Bay show. Um, so you can join us in many different ways. So please do so. Now um, uh, mindfulness, <laughs> what does it mean? What?
1: Well, I was going to say um, I, since you started since you started mentioning now that we're on Siri and Alexa and Google Play, uh all of our devices yes. start playing the South Bay show if that's why I have to <laughs> yes. I have to turn every I have to turn everything off. Uh <laughs> but um
0: You know you uh, notice anymore. I have, I have, yeah,
1: yeah. Um you, did did you want to ask a question? I have a couple of other questions, but you go well, ahead.
0: Yeah, well well just just to complete the triune, state trait practice. So we talked about practice but tell us about mindfulness is a state and a trait, Jill.
2: So um, generally speaking, if it's a trait, it's something that you have a, you know, it's in your DNA. And if it's a state, you it's more of a you brought yourself to that point as opposed to that's just how you are. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the studies, recent studies have shown that with practice, you can bring yourself into a more mindful state, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we kind of put that in going back to the negativity bias, and if you think of it in the context of um, our human ancestors, if, if they were going about their daily business and they didn't notice the dangers they're likely going to die. And so Mm. going into evolution, those that survived reproduced more and passed on that same brain. So, excuse me, we became more wired for looking for danger or the negative things going on in the world, because that was life or death. If you were the person that was out Mm. strolling along and you noticed the rainbow and it was beautiful you might've just gotten eaten by a lion yeah, yeah. because you, you weren't on the lookout for danger. And on the other hand, the person that was looking for the lion didn't notice the rainbow. Nothing bad came from not noticing the rainbow, but something bad comes from Mm -hmm. not noticing the negatives. So we have that same brain and that's, I guess you could say that's the trait that most humans have in it was a survival mechanism to be on the lookout for the negative. But in the world where thankfully we don't too often have to be on the lookout for lions um, out in the wild, that it, it can be harmful to your well-being if you're not noticing the positives going on. And so right. that neuroplasticity or rewiring to be on the lookout for the good things that are happening, can really improve your well-being. And, um, you know, when we think of mindfulness, it's an awareness and becoming aware of everything that's going on around you. And then what I think of as the next step to mindfulness is once you've developed this awareness, what do you do with it? Where do you want to take it? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a practice to be able to become aware of your thoughts and your feelings and then it's a the second to say, I wanna notice the positive or um what what do you want to do with it? It's I have this thought that seems to be constantly coming back that is really serving no productive purpose. I wanna stop thinking about that thought and not let it take so much control over my thoughts and my emotions on any given day.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: This is this is deep for lack of a better word very deep <laughs> it's, it's you know when when you start getting into the research and the practices and all the potential that we have to change the way that we're doing things for the better and you know it's not just a matter of saying oh you know what life should always be rainbows and unicorns and happy all the time Because that's not realistic, but you can get a a control over your regular thoughts and feelings and have some control. And those people that have better well-being are less stressed, more productive, and I would think most people would want that. It's associated with some real physical Uh benefits to the human body.
1: Well, yeah, unicorns and rainbows. You know, I've always had an issue with the word "happy." You know, people. You know, even life, liberty, happiness. You know, people. I want to be happy. Happy. I've always had an issue with that word. Happiness. Happiness is a is is a burst of emotion, to me. Uh, it's not a state that you should be in all the time. To me, con- to be content, I, I that works for me. I, I I would much prefer to be content than to be. "Quote unquote happy all the time," you know. Anybody that's running around happy all the time, they've got issues, right? Um, but, but the the whole again going back to maturing, you know. I know me, and I'm sure Joe and you, Jill, we've everybody I know. When you're younger, you know, you fly off the handle, you react, you know, without thinking. I have found that, you know, even just in the last say 10 years. I have calmed mm-hmm. down so much. I, I have so much more patience now than I ever and I'm aware of that. I'm 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 aware of that. You know, when that, now when something difficult arises, you're in a situation, you know, I'll stop I'll take a breath, you know, if 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 I can't be uh, add anything productive to it, I'll you know, I'll I'll just turn around and walk away. You know, if I if I can't stop that impulse and i like to believe that every everybody gets like joe do you feel like that do you feel like you've become more
2: hmm.
1: you know to, for me it's patience uh, we can call it mindfulness be, being more mindful what have you noticed that in your life in your experience
0: you mean over time yeah yeah uh yeah i i have um a great mentor several business Philosophy mentors and uh, you know uh, uh, names will come to mind as I as I talk about this, but one thing that I've learned and and told my children often is that we are all responsible, but you have to break the word into three parts or two parts in particular response able we're all we have a space between the stimulus. And our reaction, where we're response-able, we're able to choose our response to various stimuli. And I think about that often when there's a stressor or, um, you know, something in front of me that would maybe cause a reaction that would not be good. I think I'm able to think about this. Uh, Response-able. Responsible, but response-able. Able to think about your response and to pause and to consider and, and to take a breath. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think people have to practice that. I, I think people have to practice not being so quick and, and reactive. As, as mindfulness says, um, one, of the, one of the things about practicing mindfulness is to be less emotional uh, reactivity. Uh And more cognitive flexibility so i'm I practice that regularly
1: all right, good, I bet Jill, I bet you didn't go to, think the conversation would go off in all these different directions we're taking but uh that that's how we roll here <laughs> I, I
2: like
1: it we We rarely stay on one track, but I want to ask you, so you're teaching this course in high school, so what kind of results are you getting? with the kids like are, are like after class or uh, you know in the morning in the hall or something do you have kids coming up to you saying something happened and i took a breath and i thought about it for a moment before i reacted what what kind of what kind of results are you having with the kids that you're teaching this to so
2: um you know it i would say first it depends on the kid there are some that are just open to it and want to soak it up like a sponge and there's others that are less like a sponge <laughs> and um, which I think matters whether you're a kid or you're an adult, how much you personally want to embrace it. Um, one of the students that I taught last year, um, at the end of the year we did a, a reflection and, you know, looking at the overall impact. And one of the things she had said, she was uh, she was a junior last year and for several years she had somewhat regularly fainted in her classes and she went to multiple doctors and you know lots of different tests and couldn't really figure out what what was triggering it or you know and mm. she doesn't faint in her classes anymore and she says she believes it's because she has well-developed mindfulness skills and she realizes that she was starting to feel anxiety and it would ultimately lead to her fainting. And now she notices the sensations in her body when she's getting to that point and she takes some breaths and kind of calms herself back down and so far she hasn't fainted anymore. So I, I have no idea if if it is the mindfulness, or if it's something she just outgrew, but um, I, I think that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. I had uh, actually an adult, one of one of my instructors through the Mindful Schools program, has Tourette's syndrome, and mm-hmm. once he developed a mindfulness practice, his tics stopped. And wow. again, is it is it that you had mindfulness and that's what it was? And he's actually uh was participating after he noticed that change in a, a scientific study to look at some applications of it and see if if it might be effective in other people that have Tourette's.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It,
2: wow. it's relatively wow. There have been some profound changes, but the research is still being done. So I wouldn't want to say, oh, you know what? It's the cure for this or the cure for that because everyone's an individual. But I like to think of it that having a mindfulness practice is just a useful tool to have in your toolbox of life. And there might be times when you're drawing on all those tools and times when you're not. But if you don't have them in your toolbox, it's not an option.
0: Right, Um, right.
2: Another thought that I had when, Jackie, you were talking about you think of yourself as being more patient and understanding now, Um, teaching it to students, one of the motivators that I had was I wished someone had taught those skills to me earlier. So that way you don't have to be older in life before you learn to kind of calm down, take a pause, put things in perspective before you react to something. And the sooner we can teach those skills to kids, the hopefully the less stress they're going to have to go through. You know, if you think of the stresses you went through and the challenges getting to that point where you feel you're a little more patient with things, it might have been nice to kind of take a shortcut there, get there. Yeah. there like. mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well,
1: I, I'm a middle child. I'm a middle child. So I have always mm-hmm. been the mediator. Uh, I have an older sister and a younger sister, so I have a little bit of experience with this, <laughs> uh, talk about triggers. Um, but I've, I, even with them, you know, uh, w- you know, one will call me up to complain about the other one, in the past, I would call the other one and tell her that this one was complaining about her. Now, I just listen. You know, now, you know, they, each of them call me to vent about whatever it is, and I can just take it in and maybe offer some, you know, I, I just, I just, uh, you know, I I was thinking it might be, you know, hormonal changes or something. I'm like, why have I become so patient? You know, why have I, why have hmm. I become, you know, this, this, this laid back patient person, which I don't. Joe, not everybody will think that of me, but that's how I see myself. Um, it's pretty, it's, it's it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting. Listen, we just have a few minutes left, but I wanted to ask you, Jill, about trauma-informed mindfulness. Tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about that.
0: Oh,
2: so, um, you know the the way in which someone practices mindfulness, it can vary from you take an extended period of time and you're sitting in silence in a room or it's something as as simple as what you're doing when you're brushing your teeth. Uh, And some people go on extended silent retreats where you're not talking for, I mean, it could be weeks to anybody. And um, just learning to be with your own thoughts. And there have been some instances where that has triggered trauma. In, in some people. You know, that's not the world that we're used to living in. And also, um, going back to maybe a more frequent trauma is, you know, somebody that's had a, a lot going on in their life. For example, um, when practicing mindfulness, I would invite you to close your eyes to kind of reduce some of the the distractions and, you know, get your focus on your breath. Somebody that's been through something traumatic might not be comfortable closing their eyes around Mm. other people. Mm. And so it's just kind of being sensitive to, you don't know what someone's walking through the door and what their previous experiences have been. So whether it's something extremely traumatic or it's been mildly traumatic, it could be anything, but it's learning Ways in which you can teach mindfulness and be sensitive to that as well as um just understanding the different things people could be carrying with them,
0: hmm.
2: and you don't want to make something worse or put them in a more uncomfortable situation
0: right
1: now is this class is this class that you're teaching is it is it required or or is is it optional?
2: No, I wish it was required. It's an elective class. And um, yeah, so nobody has to take it, but it's an option.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I would is, imagine is that the people something... that, need that need it most probably aren't taking it. Yeah, that's...
2: Ugh. You know, uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I decided to start doing individual mindfulness coaching is I was talking to so many uh, whether it's my friends or other people that just thought I wish I had a way to learn that or that sounds like something that would be great for my kid and I just want to be able to reach more people you know I have a pretty uh, small audience as a teacher I, I think that they're definitely individuals that it's beneficial, but I would like to be able to reach more people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that would be nice if it was a required class. That's for sure. Um, We have to start wrapping this up. Jill, uh, give us some contact information. How can people get in contact with you? Uh, Do you have a website, uh, anything where they can get some more information?
2: Oh, definitely. I have a, a website. It's simply mindful. Services dot com, so simply mindfulservices.com and you can reach me there with uh, either by phone or by email. And um, I mindfulness is something that I'm passionate about, and any way I can share it with people, whether they're adults, they're kids, it's corporations, it's what I love to do.
1: Yeah, and I I appreciate I really appreciate that you're coming at this from a scientific angle. Um, it's not some woo woo stuff, you know. Um, there, there, there are a lot of things out there where it's a, a you know, woo woo, you know. But th- this is this is actually scientific, and uh, and and th- the way you've explained it, by the way, is fabulous. Uh, I think that you know we wanted to do this deep dive into it. You've explained it extremely well. Don't you think so, Joe?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Are, are you being mindful, Joe? <laughs>
0: I am. Gonna, I am trying gonna to be cla- mindful.
1: <laughs> this is gonna, I, This is. I'm going to bring but, this up all G- Jackie, all the time now. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. can. Uh-oh. And I'm
0: going to say, Jackie, one more time. The death of P fifty six is a tragedy oh. for our entire society. I,
1: I, I agree. I agree. But uh, again, uh, we need to stay focused, and uh, you need to you need to take us
0: home now. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we want to uh, thank you for joining us today and we want to impress upon you the importance of finding support and services for those in your life that could use more peace and calm. And uh, you can find out more at simply Jill Moller, Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: So, I do feel better, Jackie. I do feel more mindful uh and <laughs> and Jackie, thank you for joining us.
1: Always a pleasure, Joe. Talk to you tomorrow.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you tomorrow. uh please, everyone, think of your uh center and take a breath, and you are response able. There is a space in the middle you can You can pause before you just react. Uh see you tomorrow. Bye bye.